We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast coming at you Wednesday morning. It's October 18th. The Wolves played and won their fourth preseason game on Tuesday night against Maccabi Renana. I will spend a little bit of time talking about that game at the end of this episode. Uh, It was a capital P preseason game in that the Wolves didn't even play their top 10 players. But maybe Jason, I'll talk a little bit about Leonard Miller, Josh Minot, Luca Garza. Uh, it is Wednesday. So I do have Jace Frederick here with me, and uh, Jace. Don't don't act like it wasn't a big game though, because you can't go 103 and 0 unless you win the fourth one. <laughs> they did start 4 and 0 in the preseason last year. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, and what a successful year they made the playoffs. They did. They did. Great tone setter. They, they you did. saw how it they was, bursted it, out of the regular season gates. It was a it, huge tone setter. It was the fifth preseason game that everyone went. Oh, Oh, last year. Rudy and Carl played in. Yeah, yeah. Rudy and Carl played. It was against small Brooklyn. Brooklyn, yep. Was Cam Johnson on that team? And I always just picture Cam Johnson as like the guy who just this team. No, he was not. Change. He was not on the team. He was yet, not on the team. No. They they did. They it was did it was Irving, Durant, and even Simmons was playing in that. Yeah, they did struggle. Simmons was playing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That That is always... Reminds me of how fast this roster churn stuff is. And I've just been yeah. like thinking about that from a Wolves standpoint. I like that you laughed at Simmons playing for him. And, and he's still playing for him. Yeah, right. right. You're like, Jesus, Simmons is playing for him. <laughs> totally. It's it, like, yeah, the guy who's like the focal point of their team now. Yeah. It is just crazy, man, how much the roster stuff churns. And it, like, when I think when you're a team like the Wolves, where you're like, it's going to go one of two ways. Like it's going to be really good and it's going to work or it's going to be okay or not work. And then everything changes. It's just the way the NBA is now. It's like you hit it or you break it up. And yeah, that yeah. is like what makes me, I don't know if appreciates the right word, but like you understand almost the, the rareness that they are bringing back a very similar roster this year, because yeah. there are fewer and fewer teams like that are, decent do that like when mm-hmm. and no major overhaul shakeup and like i am a believer that that can lead to like 
good results that that is part of a process of like building a team that can make a push is like a little consistency and they finally have that like that just made me think of that yeah i mean i they seem to be referencing that a lot right this year and i would say in the continuity part and seemingly in a in a genuine way like you know there's there's some players that you talk to and you really believe when they say something because they give you the, the other, they give you the hard stuff when the hard stuff has to be there. And, you know, some guys like Kyle Anderson and stuff Mm -hmm. like that comes to mind. And I'm like, I'm hearing him say that stuff that the continuity matters. They're having fun. They're super dialed. And that like, that makes me believe it uh, a little bit that, that, that the the continuity uh, factor in particular is having a a positive impact, which I think does tie into kind of our first topic, which we were talking about last night is just like this idea that what, what it would mean if the bigs thing did work, like if that wasn't a question mark, we get a month into the season and that isn't something that grates on this team. I think last season, right. Particularly like a month into the season, some of the players were like, you could just kind of tell, and some of them said to us in media availabilities, like, this is hard. Yeah. This playing with two bigs, we're getting run. And there wasn't there wasn't a great belief in that bit, double big look, I think, at all until the trade deadline. And then maybe, like, once Mike got here, once Carl came back, then there was that little bit of belief in it again. And that's what everyone's like, oh, Nas week, right? And, and and there's like it was it was so meaningful to the psyche, I think, when everyone believed in the bigs. And I wonder about that now. If like we get into a month of the season and that's not the problem, like I think the question I'm asking is what what if the big bigs thing does work? What impact does that have on the psyche of this group? Because the inverse had an impact on the psyche last season. Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing, right? Like, we saw what it looked like in the first 20-plus games last year when it was clear that guys did not believe in it. Um, And Mm -hmm. it it definitely was treated, I think, in the minds of many, like, that having two bigs, they weren't seeing the benefits, they were only seeing the drawbacks. Like, the players. And they were like, it was literally like, well, transition, getting back, well, it's hard. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I guess we just, I guess all the guards have to get back, you know, like uh, every single time, you know, like, like as if they were being asked to like push this huge boulder up a hill. Um, But it it was that. And it was like guys looking at each other, like, what do you, what do you expect us to do? You know, like, like a lot of that got pinned on D'Lo. It was a lot of guys who felt that way. Um, Mm -hmm. It was not just D'Lo who felt like this is not, this is not workable. Um, I think Austin Rivers, like in his podcast with Bill Simmons, when they yeah. talked about the Wolves this year, they're like, they got to figure out the two bigs thing. Like that showed like he, a lot of guys just didn't really think it was going to work and it didn't work to start the year. And it was really ugly as they kind of tried to work through things. And like, you know, the, the sample at the end of the season looked decent, but that's a small one too. Um, so who's to say, but you just see like how much it kills the team spirit and creates a little bit of a rift, like here and there mm-hmm. with guys when like, they just don't think what, what is being asked of them is doable or they don't think like the max product. They're like, this would be a lot easier if we didn't have this setup that we're sitting in right now. It makes my life harder. Like, so if you don't have that, if you have something that you think actually benefits you and it's, it's anything in life, anybody can picture this. It's not even just related to like the bigs. Like if you think 
that what you're working in at work or whatever is like maximizing you and it's going to work and it's best for everybody. Like you're going to bring a better mindset every day. You're going to be more willing to do the little things to do. And your if you job, don't, you know? you're going to start talking behind yeah, people's it, back at the cubicle or whatever. You yes. Know? You have to yeah. believe in the cause, you know, and you have to yeah. believe in the plan of attack. Otherwise you're not going to mm -hmm. execute the plan of attack. We like to all think, even if I don't believe in the plan, it's what like the higher ups have come up with. So I'll do my best. You don't yeah. do your best. If you don't believe in it, you don't, do everything that's required to make something work like when you believe in it is when you give your best you asked finch about this last night after the game uh let's play that clip for the pod so we talked about yeah. punting on offensive rebounding at the start of last year how much do you feel like better about the plan you have um for this multi-big lineup and does it feel like there's you have to have something and stick to it because with Nas in the rotation there's just no backing out of it uh yeah I I mean you know I mean every, you know everybody like Mike Tyson said everyone feels great until they get hit in the face right so everyone loves their plan but I you know, we um we look comfortable Nas looks comfortable it doesn't look like it's something we have to pivot away from in any sort of panic you know we I think the the key is if we if we do we have, we still have Kyle we can swing there and play at the four you know finding the key I think for us is is still going to be able to maximize certain combinations on the floor of guys that we know play really well together. I think that's going to be the, the real kind of key for us as we figure things out. But well, I mean, we're all in, we're committed to being a bigger team. Our, we're lucky to have skilled bigs. Um, so, you know, they, they, they don't, I mean, it's not like you uh, have to change our style too, too much, you know? So I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. It's it's a must, right? Like like the consist the commitment. Like even if you do get hit in the mouth and like it looks bad for a couple games, like everybody has to be committed, right? Because it doesn't feel like last year everybody was always committed in the locker room and whatnot. Like they just seem like there are questions about it. Do you feel like everybody's really bought in? Hundred percent. Yeah, no, for sure. I think everybody's committed. I think this team really enjoys it. Uh, enjoys playing with each other. I think they they've really been a pleasure to coach through training camp so far. You know, I mean, Rudy took one shot the other night in New York, and there was never a peep about anything. You know, didn't grumble, didn't give anyone side eye, wasn't bitchy when he came to the bench. Like, just, you know, how it was how it played out. He he generated a ton of wide open shots with his rolling and his dunker uh, gravity. Um, we got ten wide open corner threes just as a result of I would say seven or eight of them because he was on the floor. You know, um, and it feels like we have a maturity about what we're trying to do this year. So. I wanted to play that that whole thing because I think that good question, Jace. But also, yeah, yeah I think so uh, too. <laughs> a, uh, a an interesting way, I think, for Finch to to answer that with like throwing out, which was just one thing I appreciate about Finch. You know, I think actually twenty nine other coaches, all twenty nine other coaches in the league, go. You know, we're committed to it. We believe in it. He throws out the like. Well, if we do struggle with the Nas part, we do have Kyle, you mm -hmm. know, which it acknowledges just the reality of any proposition, right? There's, right. even if it's a 90% chance it's going to work, there's a 10% chance it doesn't. You better and have, I, a, um, you better have a plan B. You should and, always have a plan B. And I think he, part of the reason, you know, you do feel so confident that you can go into two of Kat, Nas, Kat, Nas and Rudy on the floor at a time is that, you know, why I think he feels confident about it is like, if we do for a while, like struggle with that, we do have Kyle, you know, and that almost gives him confidence in the idea in the first place. Right. If Kyle Anderson isn't on the team, then and that's all you got, all you got that, that weirdly makes you less confident 
in the double big idea in the first place, because if it crumbles, it crumbles, crumbles. If, if now, if there's a crack in the surface of the centers, you know, they feel like they can, they can figure some of that out. I, I think as you were talking before that, and we were mentioning Delo and some of the other players, and then, you know, he's kind of going there talking about the bigs and their belief. I really do think so much of this idea of like, what impact do the bigs working have? It's actually on the guards because I feel like the guards are the ones who live most skeptical of it. Or like you were saying, it oh, has yeah. kind of the greatest impact on them. It's the hardest for them to play with. So it's like, if you got the guards bought into it or they really see and feel the impact of it, I think the value of that is exponential. Does that make sense with what I'm I'm trying to say? Which is really ant, right? Yes, it's ant. It's ant. Be all about it. Yep, yeah, yep. It's ant, and like, and I think ant. It's like they're going to. He has to understand the ways in which he can. It can work for him, and like, mm-hmm. not dwell on any negatives of it. Yeah, there will be times where maybe there are slightly fewer driving lanes, like because the spacing is a little wonky here or there. Now they're they're putting in some structure to like try to alleviate that or reduce the number of times that it happens, but. It's not going to be as open of a floor as if you just play with just cat or just nuts. Like, it's just not. But you have to understand then how you can use the guy in the dunker spot to your advantage and those types of things. Like, Mm -hmm. and I do think that's even why Finch purposely brings up the Gobert thing, just getting one shot against the Knicks, right? Is like he's sacrificing uh, some because, like, on this team, it's less built around him, especially offensively. And like, he's less a focal point of it. And if he's going to sacrifice some of the things in his game for the betterment of the team and not say anything about it, everybody else should be willing to do the same as well. And I would say even a year ago, like, yep, guys were kind of griping about spacing and whatnot, like uh, with Gobert and Cat out there, especially as they did not have it figured out in the first 20 games. And Gobert would also gripe as well uh, after games when, you know, he only got two shots in a loss or something. And he'd be like, I guess I need to make it more clear i think mm-hmm. i guess i need to make myself even more available you know like yeah uh, that those things happen so i think they really need to create a culture this year of like in general this can work um this can be for the betterment of this team but it might cause every it might require everybody changing what they do or just a little bit less or just accepting the night where something was a little bit harder um, because as long as the team succeeds we're all better for it i feel like the Rudy gripes on the floor, though, like the outward exasperation was more on the defensive side of the floor last year. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that to take because he said those things, right? He was, mm-hmm. you know, there was definitely times post game he was frustrated not getting the ball more. But I think what Rudy cares about more is defense, right? And and being put in position to be the elite defender that he is. I think if if he feels more insulated defensively, which is not a high bar going off of last season, I just think he'll be cool with like kind of the Finch thing. I don't think there will be the offensive grapes. Like I'm kind of buying into the idea that Rudy is buying into the idea of being an elite role player on this team, which I think is just kind of a fundamental truth of what needs to happen for this, particularly the double bigs to work. Yeah, I, I agree. And and it totally is something where I think Ant seems very open to like the two big thing here in training camp. Rudy seems like like you said, bought into like being maybe but like Ant is the one Ant is the one where I'm like, it's the Mike Tyson thing. I, I even so, think that way. Of, the face. I even think that way of Rudy, too, though. Like, okay. I, I just right. very much like, OK, 
winning if you come out of the gates and you're just a great team i think everybody will be bought in i think if you come out and it's slow or it's not as crisp or easy as it was in the preseason and yeah. like you know maybe you go up against a couple teams that do run you a little bit maybe you lose by eight but it's because you know they got up and down in transition yeah. or whatnot and and ant struggled to kind of dissect the defense like mm-hmm. that's when i want to see everybody i mean i i, I agree that Dude, that's going to be, be toronto easiest, right that's like it's it's a very interesting opening matchup, I think yeah. for sure. Like, cause it's it's that's one of those teams where it's like the Wolves have to flex their interior dominance, which they did not do last season, um, and and be show that they can handle a team trying to get up and down the court. Because they're gonna uh, run them, yeah. And they've got the Wolves killer Dennis Schroeder, who like, <laughs> I mean, put the team in a vice like <laughs> three different times last season uh, with his on ball defense. Yeah. But yeah, it's it'll be a great test. I just think. Like what I meant to ask Finch about with Nas is like now with Nas being paid and being a cemented part of the rotation, like remember the start of last year, he wasn't even supposed to be in the games. Like they were totally playing and going cat. Yep. Rudy together for a little bit. And then we will stagger them and then we'll bring them back together. And certainly they will be staggered still, but it will be with another big out on the floor. Like Nas will be out there. It's mostly going to be two bigs. I actually think that's going to help a lot. I think you have to be more committed to it, but there's really no veering off of it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're just going to stop playing Nas if six games into the season, it's not going great. And I think it's going to be easier to create an identity when you do have two bigs all the time. And it's yeah. not like we need to create this big guy identity, even though we only have two bigs out there together for like 15 minutes. Well, it's then like, it becomes your nature, right? Right. Like... Now, now you, you're going <laughs> to look for ways that it can dominate the game and you're going to stick to those ways and you're going to know those ways because yeah. you're spending all game with it. So like, right. I think the commitment to it is going to make them better in the long run. Like if, we're going to know for sure if it works or not, there's no really like, well, we can just sneak the minutes of cat and go bear out there, like to start <laughs> the game and end the game. And, and hope yeah. it looks really good in between. Like, no, nope, yeah. you're a big team. You're going to be a big team at all times, figure out ways in which being a big team can dominate games. I asked Nas, um, uh, about this at practice the other day. I thought this was, a an interesting answer and just a relevant question for them of like, a lot of people don't believe in this. What do you as a big think about it? So, Here's Nas. When you talk about how your, your bigs are really athletic, there's certainly a narrative out there that this team is too big, right? There's too many bigs on here that might, might not be able to work. When you hear that, when people say this team has too many bigs, what is your reaction to that? I mean, I think just as far as like Kat and I, like, I think we're just in big bodies. Like, we can play all over the floor. Uh, defensively, we're both getting better at it. Like. And then, like, for Rudy, it's like, he's been defensive player of the year. He's been, he's always been that top, that top big man. And, and it's like, you can't deny that. And uh, that goes in just, you know, getting the reps in in preseason, you know, getting, getting to learn each other, getting to know each other. Uh, like I said before, again, what, what they like and what I like. And uh, it's, it's going to be huge. I'm excited for it. I mean, it's something that, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people, are believing in, but I mean, I watched it work for the first three games. Like I said, I know it's preseason, but I think I think there's something that can, you know, we can really move forward with and have help us. Do you think like, Last you question. And the four is the biggest thing that has to be proven defensively. Mm-hmm. You and Cat defending at the four is the thing that has to be proven. Huge. That's huge because that's huge because it's like we have it. That's something that we've consistently done throughout my five years and however long he's been in the league. So it's like that's definitely going to be huge. Uh, but Again, like the maturity and our growth mindset, we, we always want to grow, grow, grow. So that's that's going to be huge. I think Nas is an interesting like 
factor in this because uh he has to believe in it right that's his route out of the floor for for like for like 20 minutes though at the same time like i i i don't think anything about that answer is is not genuine i think i think nasri legitimately thinks of himself as a just a guy that's in a big body like yeah. you know like a gu- like a wing who who's in a big body like i don't think he looks more like that than cat does he's just more fluid um uh, so that's the he, distinction right yeah like, he looks more like a like a wing in a big body than cat does and i think they're going to use him differently at the four than they are cat like even defensively you know like i i think we, we talk a lot or talked a lot last year about particularly once cat got back from the injury um they didn't they tried like crazy to not put him in chasing situations like which makes sense he's coming back from a calf but also just kind of with cat's game like can we switch this off can we send mike on to the stretch four? like whatever whatever do you th- i feel like with nas like they're just going to kind of play it straight up and they're going to be like all right you are on cam johnson like chase him or maybe like maybe with the best of the best of the stretch fours they they accommodate with nas a little bit and how much as a backup will he see those but generally speaking I feel like you just let Nas kind of go and you let him be a four and you let him sink or swim and you trust the fact that he's kind of like, he's definitely more twitchy than Carl, right? As like an athlete and and being able to navigate some of that stuff. Um, I, I think we do a lot of like the cat Nas, the same thing idea. And obviously in some ways that's that's true. I think defensively there's a distinction to be made there though. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either if it's like Nas is the four, but the four in this matchup's a really bad game, bad matchup, and the three mm-hmm. is maybe somebody who's just not as impactful of, of an offensive player. So let's right. just switch that out. I think with like Cat and the starters, I do anticipate more game planning, more like we're going to pre switch this action, these types mm-hmm. of things like ready to go. Where when the reserves get out there and you don't know the lineups, it's very hard to be like, yeah. here's what we're going to do here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I do think there will be more times where it's like, all right. And I was like, figure it out. Here's your switching partners, whatever. But in general, here's the plan. Um, yeah, I think so. I think Nas just just by just by coming off the bench and you don't know who you're going to match up against exactly like at all times. Like, I think it is going to be more figured out on the fly where Cat, at least with the starting lineups, I bet they have more game plan stuff kind of built mm-hmm. in of like, we don't love this matchup, but we think we can switch here and here and not have you in too many different situations. Like, yeah, the calf was a part of it, but it also just worked. And it also just makes more sense in general of how to like not get exposed by cat being in a lot of matchups that you'd be like, he's going to have a hard time guarding him. Cause there are a lot of NBA starting lineups where it's like, cat's going to have a hard time guarding a, B, C, D, E, F, G, K, L, M, N, O, P. Like, right. I mean, you know, like it's, there's a lot. So I think, I I think they can work around that. And I think with Nas, it's like, you're going up against different reserves and whatnot. You just can take your chances more often. I think probably the most, just off the top of my head, like I think the three most tiring positions to be defensively are <clears throat> the guy on the ball, right? Just the point of attack. Yeah. Defender, that's tough. You got to navigate the screen. You got to guard the ball. Um, I think another really hard one is, being the big up and coverage, showing and recovering. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of like, you know, touch, get down, touch the free throw line, go touch the baseline. Like that, that's, that's yeah. tough. And then the third hardest one, I think is just chasing a shooter, right? Chasing a shooter. I think that maybe is the most exhausting. And frankly. yeah, they're, they're all up there and they're the other ones are b- require more physicality and stuff. I think chasing yeah. a shooter is like at cardio, like it's cardio. the most cardio you're going to do in a game. And so it's like, Carl's going to be up in coverage doing that from time to time. That's somewhat physically taxing. And if you don't want to play, you do need to like 
weigh some of this cardio stuff when he is such an important factor on your offensive side of the floor. It's not like the Luka Doncic's and the other like right. super high volume off. Like that's the reason why Giannis like plays the four and, and has for a long, I mean, obviously that works for him, but like that job, Giannis would be really good as, as a five that'd be mm-hmm. harder and, and more physically taxing. Like you said, from like a collision standpoint, but also just from a movement standpoint, like it's okay to put in some precautions in place to like limit, cat's physical exertion on on the defensive side of the ball and i think they have the personnel to do that yes you can always hide one player on defense pretty well it's mm-hmm. it a bit and this is a big problem with like delo last year is you're trying to hide one of the bigs and delo like that was hard um mm-hmm. and now when you look at the lineup and it's like you don't have to hide conley and you used to have to you used to have to hide ant and now you don't have to hide yeah you don't have to hide ant anymore as long as he's paying attention to like actions and off ball movement and whatnot uh but either way that's not like a hiding situation and even like then then you know nikhil goes into that mix as well like you just you Mm -hmm. rarely have to hide anybody but the four or whatever like that's your bad matchup so you can game plan around that and it shouldn't be that difficult to where it's just a glaring we can't stop anybody because we have this matchup at the four particularly in the regular season. Like, yes, yes, yes. Playoffs, navigate. easier to expose. Mm-hmm. Regular season, we talked about this all the time. Teams don't have time. Like, yeah. even if it's not a back-to-back, like, there's one day off in between. They're not coming mm-hmm. up with a new game plan and then, like, five sets of here's how we're going to expose this. There's just too much going on to constantly be diving that deep into a matchup. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Jace, let's uh, let's move over to Mike Conley. Um, I think it's awesome this year that you are going to every other week have a one-on-one sit-down uh, with Mike and uh, just kind of break it down with him. I mean, you and I haven't been around him that long, but he's, he's up there for both of us is most informative uh, player we've covered, period. I mean, probably the, the most. And I think that's going to be uh, particularly valuable this season where there, there's a lot of nuance to this team, right? And, and I really appreciate, as a media person, like the the willingness to answer our questions because like, I think Mike gets the idea that we're trying to figure things out that like make perfect sense to them. Cause they're in the huddle, you know, or like they're at practice. Like this is what we're trying to get to. And this is what we're working on. Mike does a really good job of distilling that information, giving it to us and our lower basketball IQs and, and allowing us to, to share that with the fans. I think this is going to be uh, awesome with Mike. I want to talk about your, your first 
article yeah, yeah. with him, but just but off I, the, like him the 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 pitch. Yeah, okay, just but just just like in Mike in general, like the thing that I like most about talking to somebody like Mike is like when we talk to him, it becomes sometimes like abundantly clear of like, no, like the scheme isn't that bad. We're not executing it right, and it's yeah. an honest thing of like, here's what we're not doing right. Um, you know, and so it's not just like, well, the game plan's good. We're just not doing it. It's like, here's where we are messing up. Um, yes. and, and then you look back and it's like, oh, yeah. So that guy's supposed to be doing this and mm-hmm. they're not. Um, yeah. And here's what we should be doing more against switching defenses that you can't really coach. You just have to do it. And we're not, you know, mm-hmm. and things like that. Or here's what's going well, all that stuff. So, yeah, I basically was like, well, there's like the most informative player that i've covered i think honestly like on all topics there's never been something that he shied away from like you know rudy like quote unquote punches kyle like mike's right there after the game and he will give you a non like shrugged off answer about it mm-hmm. um you know like and it might just be like emotions get high whatever but he talks about anything um right. and and that's it's so valuable um and it's legit honest insight and so it was like okay who here's a guy that I would love to talk to about the team, um, about maybe something that happens in the league, like a trend about himself, um, because he's also just an integral part of this team. And he's also somebody who's willing to do something like this, <laughs> um, which is a massively key part of it. Guess yeah. what? If I asked to talk to Ant once every two weeks, regardless, it would be a no, uh, you know, uh, and that is not a knock on Ant. That's the answer most guys yeah. would give. Mike Conley is so giving of his time to mm-hmm. all of us members of the media, me, sure. you, Bally Sports, whatever. Like mm-hmm. he, he just understands the value of it and is willing to share his time to give to us, which is great because it is in turn giving to the fans as well. Um, yeah, and so he said, sure, and this first time around, we, I just wanted to talk about, you know, this 36-year-old point guard just turned 36 this last week, so it was kind of timely, uh, kind of being perceived as this older player, as even I think I've viewed him as that in the past, you know, and, and whatnot, and many others have too, and yet his production at the end of last season suggested that he's far from this aging, declining player, um, and so we talked a lot about that. Yeah, it's, you've said this to me for a while now where you're like, you know, like Steph Curry is the same age. I actually got the Steph thing from him, from that conversation. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, like that. You said the, so, you said the KD thing to me at, at yes, one point. KD you know? was earlier. I had that in my head because yeah. I saw an NBA's account. KD turns 35 yeah. today, like last month. And I was right, like, oh, right. interesting. And so I brought up KD to him. And then he brings up Steph, you know, like, and I looked it up. I'm like, wow, yeah, you and Steph are like the same age. And the next day we were on this podcast. And I was like, <laughs> Same age as Steph Curry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so he brought that one up. And yeah. but 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 here's the thing: it's like okay, obviously, let's let's get this disclaimer out there. Like Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, levels above yeah, yeah, Mike yeah. Conley as a player. But what's interesting is like what allows those players to continue to be superstars is their coaches continue to empower them with role, the role of superstar. Right. You know what I'm saying? The whole idea is that you continue to get to do your role. Mike Conley's never been Steph Curry, but Mike Conley at 36 can be Mike Conley at 28. That's the argument Mm -hmm. because Steph Curry at 36 looks a lot like, or 35 looks a lot like Steph Curry at 28. It's, it's like, it's not that he's the same level as those guys. It's that he can be the same version of himself, maybe even a wiser version, much like those guys are too. And, and effective and and putting up, numbers comparable to other you know in KD's case like other stud small forwards or you know and Mike comparable efficiency or production of other really good 
really good point guards in the league. And I think that, you know, it's like that's has been really wise, I think, from the Wolves front office and from Chris Finch to, like, give him that. You know, I don't, I'm not sure how many teams would have done that. It, it, it is the natural, like, curve. And Mike was talked to you about this. Of like, you kind of get to this age and, like, if you're 36, you're still in the league and you kind of got my game. Like, they kind of put you in the corner, you know? hit 40 some percent of your corner threes, like very situational. And I think it's your Dallas Jason kid. You know? yeah, exactly. yeah. 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 And, and they're not doing that. I do think it's worth acknowledging that comes with some risk, right? Because even if we go through like Steph, KD, LeBron, like those guys are missing games every yep. year, like a chunk, probably all will this year. And like, that should be the, that should be the expectation with Mike is that he has to miss a period of time because the likelihood that he's going to get hurt is up there. Right. And and he's not like, he's not like a clean bill of health guy for the entirety of his, his career. Um, he's, he's had the heel thing, right. You listen to him off the heel hamstring. Like he's had a handful of handful of different things and like maybe playing 30 plus minutes a game at 36 years old is going to increase the odds that something like that happens again. I do think though, Given the alternatives, right, where you had a situation with Delo that wasn't going anywhere, that was a, a risk that makes sense for them to have taken is like, yeah, I, they know that, right? They know that there's a chance that Mike gets hurt and they're probably in trouble for 20 games or whatever uh, that ends up being. But but given the alternative, like that, that risk kind of like is what it is and, and you just you take it. You just got to take it because the alternative isn't good. Yeah. And like, honestly, like what's the risk that anybody misses 15 games? Like and Mike's mm-hmm. is higher, but it's not like it's like Mike's is 37 and somebody else's is four, you know, yeah. like Mike's is probably like 25 and somebody else's is 15. Like at some point you do take those risks and there are certainly times where you can manage minutes or whatnot and be like, okay, let's keep them around 28 or yeah. for the stretch here because we've got a lot of games in the next two weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And okay, we have two games off after this. So let's, have him play 36 tonight whatever yeah. um yeah it's a risk but i just think he's so integral into what they're doing so if you're trying to continue to build this up um and succeed and build continuity and establish like the way you want to play and guys roles like mike is such a key factor in doing that i think on a on a night-to-night basis um and and making sure that guys are playing the way they need to play and where they need to be that it's got to be out there a lot mm-hmm. um and I think he's comfortable with that. And the good thing about his minutes are, yes, he'll he'll like initiate the offense and whatnot. And yes, he'll guard certain guys, but he's not getting the toughest defensive matchup um, unless right. like a, a switch, which very well might happen and whatnot. But, and particularly with the emergence of Nikhil, like he right. moves further down that pecking, the order, pecking order. Correct. That's nice. I, I still think if it's like a Steph or a Dame, it's probably like I think I still think they've identified Mike as like mm-hmm. the best, smartest guy to navigate. Screens, three stagger screens. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. and, and, and that proved true, I think last year as well, but yeah, like, you know, he'll be on the ball for sure when it's the him and Rudy minutes, but not at other points where Ant will just be on the ball more like mm-hmm. Mike will get the action started and that's it. But I, Mike's, he like feels just as good as he said, he feels better than he felt at 30. Cause that is when he was hurt. Like he feels pretty similar to the guy he was when he was 28, 29, not maybe like, not like 25. Um, but you know, Again, another guy, I believe, when they say that. 
Yeah, yeah I do too. I do too. He, he goes not, through the bullshit. He's not a BSer. Yeah. He's really not. Yeah. Um, he's honest because there'd be no him saying he's not the same player wouldn't change anything. You know, like <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't change a single thing for him. Yeah. Like it, so, when I do think that, yeah, I'm not the same athlete I was when I was 25. Like he would tell you that, but I'm pretty close to the guy I was when I was 28, 29. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm now just smarter and whatnot. And frankly, like he's a better shooter than he just certainly was coming out of college. Like, and there are just certain things that he has made gotten better at that have I think kind of wiped clear any mm-hmm. athletic drop off. I, I would I would agree with that. And I mean, I, I do think it is worth noting that like this is a risk too. Yeah. And I, I'm, it, I'm with it. I'm with yeah. it. It makes sense. The logic again, the deal of the trade, the picks got the key, like all of that. But if there wasn't this like cloud of risk of like what what's gonna happen with the two bigs, the thing, particularly at this time of year when we're literally picking into every nit possible because there's no real basketball going on, right. I, I would be talking about this and I would be like if Mike miss has to miss two months, what global impact does that have on on the team? I'm not saying that's the most likely situation. Yeah, but that but like he's the most important player on the team. I honestly think that. Wow. Yeah, it's hard to define, but but it's not outlandish to say that. Where I think a lot of people just like they don't have a single option to replace him. That's what I'm saying. I yeah. that's <laughs> why it's not that. It's yeah. not that like oh Mike's better than Ant or something. It's like if Ant you move that time, out, what Kat becomes more of an offensive focal point. Nikio plays. You don't really drop off defensively at all. Sure, yeah. like you'll you'll lose some games because you don't have a score a dynamic player like Ant. But like Mike, it's like oh now what do we do at starting point guard? And like yeah. you've shown with that starting lineup, you need a facilitator. You don't really have one. Mm-hmm. J Mac's not going to start. Shake going in there and starting. It's a totally different dynamic. Like, and I, mean, I think and, it'd be Nikio. Yeah, probably. And and off, I think defensively it'd be, you know, s- still strong. But, like, offensively, I don't know if they would have much direction. Turnovers go away. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Bad decisions, like, stagnancy when there shouldn't be any. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, I, I very much think Mike is so ne- such a necessity. We even saw last year, like, when J-Mac was out, it was like, you can't take D-Lo off the court because they don't have a real point guard. Like, we talk so much about, yeah. well, this guy could get us into our action, and this guy could get us into our action. But when you play without a point guard, Boston's thought the same thing in the past, and when you don't have a point guard on the court, it looks terrible for some yeah. stretches of time. You know, mm-hmm. like, it, it's just somebody who can get, dribble the ball up the court and deliver the first pass. Like, point guards do more than that. Let's uh, let's move over to the, the game from last night quickly, just because I feel like it's worth hitting on like a little bit of like Josh Minot, Leonard Miller, Luca Garza, because we're not going to probably talk about them for a while because they're probably not going to play um, as, the, as the season gets going. Right. Um, I, I do feel like do, something went wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. At the time. Like, oh, what does it mean to put Luca Garza in as the yeah. Josh Minot is the right. window is here? Like. And maybe and maybe that does happen at some point where, where one of them have to get in there. But I, I think of with Garza Minot and Miller to varying degrees is like longer term pieces of like, are you can you develop them in conjunction with a plan that probably has nothing to do with them? Right. Like that's that's kind of what you're you're working with those guys. And and Luca's kind of a little bit different. He's not on a long term contract. He's older. Uh, whatever. Plus, I think we've already talked about Luca Garza a lot. Like, we, we kind of know what Luca Garza is. Yeah, he scored thirty last night against a non-NBA team. Quite frankly, that probably like didn't meet expectations for even like you know. Sure, like, right, it, right. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I thought yeah, that. So, so yeah. I, w- I, I would thought- say, I would say with Luca, just with Finch's comments last night, like I thought what was really interesting is like one of the reasons they keep bringing Luca back is they do love how hard he works yeah. and the example he sets for guys like Josh and Wendell. Like he did say that. There's mm-hmm. a lot of value for that, and I don't know if a lot of teams are using those positions for that. Mm-hmm. Like this, this is a guy who is just doing things the right way. So like our Josh Minot type kind of lottery tickets, like see on a daily basis, even in Iowa, like what they should be doing. Right. Um, thought Josh was good last night in, in the context of that game. And, and really in the, like I was decently underwhelmed with Minot summer league. Right. Sorry. And, uh, though, if you would have played like he did last night throughout summer league, I'd be, I would have set a different tone or tune sung to a different tune, whatever. Um, I, I thought he looked like the player I wanted him to be in summer league, uh, last night. And that's, that's somewhat noteworthy and like okay we're seeing a little bit of progression here where like Wendell Moore is kind of the inverse of that like I am with the idea that summer league or playing against a team not from the NBA and Wendell Moore being asked to kind of be a focal point is just not his thing but at some point like Wendell Moore has to show the coaching staff the front office something more than that one game when he guarded John Morant like and that just has not has not happened yet it didn't happen last night and i i was just like taking some notes during the game and and i'm like man wendell has a team option for next season for 2.5 million dollars which is like 300k above the minimum like it's yeah it's not much but they have to make that decision by right. halloween of this month and I, I it's unfortunate but i think that should be an open question, right? Because it's not like, oh, this is some 300k extra cap hit. Like, no big yeah. deal. It's a question of it's like, a it's, a it's a spot, right, man? That's what I'm thinking about with like Wendell for for next year. And I think even if he they didn't pick that up, I think Wendell's definitely in the NBA next season. He's another team gives him a shot, but like, this is in theory like a top ten team in the NBA, right? And should be progressing next season. Maybe he needs to prove he needs to be doing something. Maybe in practice or stuff we don't see that says like this guy is worth keeping on the roster because we think he could eventually crack the rotation. I don't know what we have to go off of that that says he's uh, he's for sure that yet. So while Minot and Miller, I thought were encouraging last night. I, I just wanted that to be a game where like Wendell Moore played like Dacian Knicks, right? Like yeah, he makes yeah. like four or five threes you know, looks comfortable out there and he just wasn't. And it, and it's tough. Cause I think he's a, I think he's a good kid, good yeah. pedigree, like good worker, all that stuff. Yeah. But, but like, what is, when is it going to happen? When is something going to happen that makes you go? Yep. That's for sure. An NBA player. I want that guy. That's a good deal at 2.5 million. Like I, I don't feel that way at the moment uh, with window. He's not like Christian Braun anyway, but like Braun is kind of like the player, where like he's supposed to maybe fit that kind of mold and you know braun in a game like that would have like had 20 points and mm-hmm. made a few dazzle plays like i just wonder with like window more chris finch always talks about this like you need a skill mm-hmm. um you need like a high level nba skill that you can kind of hang your hat on and then One. Work from there and i don't know what windows is i don't yeah. know and may and maybe like somebody in the organization will be like what's this you know like but i've seen and, and it very well play. could be we we have so little right right it's we have crazy small, how we have exposure we have no data you yeah, know yeah, like right. but it, but it is just in like our 
in the few times we've gotten, like it's very clear with like Josh Minot, you can see like, okay, well, he's already good at this. And I've even mm-hmm. seen that in his limited NBA game experience. He can bring certain things. And certainly like the whole idea with like a Leonard Miller or Josh Minot is they have to have skills that they can hang their head on, that they can go in and be yeah. the 10th guy in an emergency and play eight minutes. And you know, they're going to give you a or B like, mm-hmm. and that's what you need to feel comfortable. But like you see skills they have, and now it's just like refining or almost narrowing the focus where with Wendell, I'm like, I'm not sure what that thing is where it's like, well, he is really good at a or mm-hmm. B and then he'll continue to grow other parts of his game. I don't know what that thing is where it's like, he is a great shooter, a great defender. Like, cause honestly, like, I don't know if he's like a great defender because one game, like when John Morant struggled, when John Morant struggles against like the Rudy Gobert wolves a lot, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't know. Yeah, no, I and and I'm I'm cheering for it. Like I I want yeah, that. I, he, I, and I hope that's he's like a great guy, yeah. like mm-hmm. and a super hard worker. And they swear by him, and he's in the gym yeah. all the time. And like, there's value in that being around your organization. That's those are the types of guys that the Wolves have gone out of their way to mm-hmm. accrue, and it makes sense. And I think it's working in a positive direction. Getting those types of players, you see, like the impact that has in the locker room and everything. But at some point you do need to bring something you need to be able to be like, well, he is on the roster because he brings this to the table um, Mm -hmm. on the court. If we needed him in a game and I'm with you that I don't know what that is yet. And they very well might pick up the option and be like, it'll be worth it. Uh, But I agree with you that it is unfortunate that we have to have a discussion about, is that a decision? (laughs) Uh, Because we both think it is something that you have to at least ponder. It's it's an open question. I yes. I, I think I I think that's the question that the, the front office is is asking themselves now in connection to their first round pick a year ago. You yeah. know that's yeah that's right. It's a first round pick. I mean that's that's late, part of the thing. Yeah. Late mm-hmm. like twenty five or something. But yeah yeah like it's not like this was a fiftieth pick. You know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah no I we we will see there. Um the last thing from this game I want to hit on is uh, Leonard Miller. I asked. Uh, Finch a question about Leonard after the game. Play that quick clip quickly. Chris, before the game, you're talking uh, about Leonard and just all the talent and mm-hmm. and the rawness. I think probably saw both of those today. Yeah. Um, as a coach, how how do you approach that type of player? And what like what is the development process? I guess look like. What are you guys working on with him? Uh, we're, you know, working on um, just again, like I said, pre uh, pre game, uh, just you know, trying to firm up like. A role and a style of play for him. Um, he's not. He's never had um, anyone kind of connect all the dots for him. You know, he's just always kind of gone out and played, and which is great. I think that's where some of his feel comes from. But you have to kind of, kind of, rein him in a little bit, or he'll. You know, you know, you know. We need him to run. We need him to roll more. You know, we need him to value being in the dunker. And these are things that are going to get him opportunities early in his career before you, you know, allow him to like play with the ball and that kind of stuff. But you can see he has some real natural uh, feel with the ball in his hands. Um, you don't always, always know how it's going to end up, uh, but uh, he's, he's fearless. And, and we like that, you know, um, he reminds us a little bit of uh, Vando when Vando was here, you know, like also kind of ball hawk, better with the ball than you thought you know good feel for the game that kind of stuff so um and he shoots it uh you know well he's got a good foundation i think to improve that shot so i think there's a lot obviously lots to work on there but he's an exciting young player um and 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 a really good kid and he's you know soaking it all up right now 
Jace, this kind of connects to the Wendell thing. I didn't really think about it, but we've heard with Finch, like the praise he gives, like high praise from Finch is when he calls someone fearless. Yeah. yeah. And when we ask about like other teams, he'll mention that about a player that you can tell he really respects is he's fearless. And I think that's the one thing that is holding Wendell Moore back a little bit is maybe some anxiety around and fear around being able to execute there. Leonard does have this confidence in his field that he's developed for the reasons that Finch said there. And I think that's what allows him to go out and have what he had last night, like 22 and 15, eight offensive rebounds, right? There's, there's a, there's a confidence about Leonard Miller uh, and an athletic profile there that the shooting thing, I'm still kind of like, I'm not yeah, sure yeah, when, when they talk about that, I'm like, I do not see that foundation. At but all. again, that's another one of those uh, where obviously correct. they've seen we so have, much more of yeah, it right. uh, than we are. I think it like, but, but just like, gave like, him a lot after, of compliments there. He didn't need yeah, to like yeah, throw in right. that extra one, right, which right. maybe, I don't know. Maybe that I always laugh though when I hear like the shooting thing and it's totally like, I just watched the game. I did not see that, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Maybe the, I, I think there probably think are a few foundational center. things like, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, like foundational things in a shot where they're like, well, that's really good, like base or whatever. But I just watched some things, so I'm like, no, uh, <laughs> but it's totally fine. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't need to be some elite shooter to be a really good NBA player, you know. Like, um, I agree with you, this kind of center. I think the Vando mold makes a lot of sense, maybe like a slightly more ball skilled Vando, like that. That's a really good player, uh, you know, like, no qualms with that. I think th- I just wanted to get one thing out of the window more thing out yeah. of my head is like, it's one more, ex- it's like an experiment of does a good college glue guy make for a good NBA glue guy. Yeah. Um, and where so often it's like, you have to find a college player who was like one of the two best players on his team, but see traits that will make him a good NBA glue guy. So I think like Wendell is like the rare thing where I like watching these guys play too in college. It's like, wow, look, he's a good connector. He does everything right. Mm-hmm. Um, but does that mean you can do that also at the NBA level, or do you have to show certain abilities, certain skills, and then have the willingness to become a glue guy at the NBA level? Yeah. And Leonard's kind of like an interestingly opposite of that. He's got these great skills, you know, like and didn't play at a, at a college program, like basically played. I mean, ignite is basically like elevated AAU. Yes. That is 100%. I've watched more ignite, like, pre-draft film than i ever had before it is very much like elevated aau it's yeah, not, not and like much for, for the good parts direction. too where you're like damn Correct. like athletes yes these yep. guys like you can allow to show picture. that yeah but but there's no like you get the full breadth of what you can do there's no window know? mores out there there's there's Correct. no like okay i'm just operating off of this quickly getting off the ball and relocating even the their like, veterans don't do that like <laughs> even like the john jenkins is not there doing that john jenkins, yeah um i i am it, it, it's it's an inverted thing with, with Miller of like figuring this out for him is going to be whenever he gets his chance. And I would say Mm -hmm. it's at least a year down the road. Mm -hmm. Like you need to really narrow the focus of, of what it, of what that thing is first. And Vince always calls it left and right bumpers, left and right bumpers guys. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, my opinion of just like those type of players, like particularly when they're young and they're hungry and they can get on the glass I start those guys at five, you know, sure. it's a, it, that's, I, I think a simplistic role in the dunker spot. You like, I, I do think Leonard Miller is going to at some time, like be able to handle a little bit and pass a little bit, but until he can do that without 
heavy turnovers, put him in a spot where he's not asked to do that. Just get offensive board. Be Vando. Just be Vando. You know, like that's where I want to see him start. And then and then you kind of build off of that. It's like, okay, maybe he's a four now. Maybe he spaces the corner. Maybe in a couple of years, like actually we're playing him at the three a little bit. Like he, you could he's he's dribbling it a little bit. We're we're setting a pick and roll screen for him every so often. Like I think the progression for Leonard Miller is five, then four, then three over the course of time. Um and and the ability, having the physical ability to be able to do that is a major win. I just think it's gonna be a pretty uh a pretty long road with him. And I think they knew that. I think they drafted him uh, accordingly. There's just a difference between like playing for like last year's Portland team where like you can go mm-hmm. do whatever you guys are going to lose by 20, but you'll be able to show like the things you can do. And it's like, look, like this guy can hit the glass. Like, look, he's got a little bit of handle. Look, this night he hit three threes. Like, and, and you see like, it's like, well, he could help a team. It's such a different role being able to kind of do whatever um, and just flash your abilities. And they kind of brush over all the warts because who cares? They stink. Yeah. It's, it's not the same as, playing on a good team and trying to help a good team win at a high level um, because there's no room for you to go out there and like freelance on your own because they've got enough like elite players freelancing on their own. They need you. They need to know what you're going to bring um, and they need you to execute your role. The one and, thing like, it's the one yes, thing, right? Yep. Yeah. It's the one thing it's the, whatever. Like, and, and I asked Leonard Miller last night and he's like, I think like rebounding and defense. And I would agree with that. And like, and that's the easiest to do at like the five, like you mentioned um, early in his career. Like we said, we don't expect him to be a contributor this year. Mm-hmm. I would be stunned. I would be absolutely mm-hmm. stunned. Um, but if he wants to play, next year, the year after that, like those are things he's going to have to hone in on as long as this team remains in a position where it expects to contend at a high level. Absolutely. Uh, today's show is brought to you by prize picks, uh, prize picks.com or the prize picks app. You can uh, use promo code Dane for a $100 sign up bonus. Jason, I make prize picks every Wednesday from the, uh, from the Wednesday or the Thursday slate of games here. I'm trying to put this up on the screen and, uh, and make it happen here. Jace, um, I'm looking at this uh, Jaguars Saints matchup and the two I put up here this morning were Derek Carr, more than 236 and a half passing yards and Christian Kirk, more than 51 and a half receiving yards. I just think like, I'm these, not work sure. out, these work out really well with mine, so I'm oh, yeah? glad you put these. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. All right. Uh, and, and me and we're Jason going are, for another four 0 parlay. We're going for another another four yeah. 0 here. Um, we did we did do that last week. I think we were three and one the week before that uh, yeah. as well. I just feel like I'm not saying Carr's a great quarterback, but like I, I if you just kind of look at I, I did look at his numbers like week one over 300 yards, last week three almost like 350, and in that in between time he was he hurt. hurt. Yeah. And 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 so much of these numbers that they put together are just like pretty much straight averages. And and so I think there's a little bit of value um, in Derek Carr to throw for more than 236 and a half passing yards. And then I was kind of struggling to find another one. But like Christian Kirk of the receivers in this game was like fifth or something like of all, up for both teams in, in total receiving yards. And I, I don't know, like I, I feel like at this point, like Christian Kirk should be projected to get more yards than Calvin Ridley and, and he's not uh, on here. So I thought a little bit of value uh, on those two. I didn't have any of my touchdown options or maybe they do have it up here now. They didn't, they didn't earlier this morning. Oh, wow. They did not as a, 
yeah, yeah right i think this literally podcast um literally just uh just came up i like those i like the touchdown ones where it's two players to score more than uh more or less than 0.5 uh touchdowns in the game they have alvin Kamara and evan ingram for one calvin ridley and chris olave christian kirk and michael thomas i'm not sure i love any of those to be more than 0.5 uh but anyway those are my yeah, two. right yeah i'm i'm sticking with the ones i had i probably if i started right now i would take a kirk thomas under because they're not on this. really but yeah but i'm not going to that's not okay. one of mine okay. um i'm going with receiving yards and i'm taking the calvin ridley less than okay so we're kind of on the same page yeah yeah and just like i mean i the saints have a really good defense i totally fine with like that's why I liked yours. I was like, well, if Kirk goes over, I'm even more confident in Ridley going under. Yeah, we don't right, know yeah. about Lawrence's health. And we want all, all four to come together. Yeah. yeah. Come on. This is a, we're going for a second straight Kansas parlay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then uh, I'm taking Rashid Shahid over yeah. 35 and a half. Um, he's done that in three of the four games he's played. Um, yeah. He's going to have like 70 or 12. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, he's went 89, 63, 0, 85. <laughs> And the zero, I don't, I don't know if he played that whole game. He probably did, but that was the Packers game where Carr got hurt. Yep. Uh, so, cool. yeah, I, I like Shahid to go over that. He's literally like one play away from always going over that. Mm-hmm. So, I'm with that. Okay, so those are our our four uh, this week. Again, if you hit four in conjunction, you can get uh, ten to one on whatever you wagered. So last week, if we 20 on the four that we got correct that would have been uh for 200 obviously you can do more or less than four if you want that's those are the ones uh we choose for 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 this uh but if you're uh looking for something else maybe your fantasy team's like one in five right now maybe you don't have anybody in this game exactly and uh like i think i I mentioned this with kyle before too but they have like some nba like season long ones Mm -hmm. here where it's like you know the points like Steph Curry, more or less than 28.9 points per game average this season or rebounds or whatever it might be. Um, I would understand if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, why are you guys talking about football? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's plenty of basketball stuff on there uh, as well. Uh, me and Jason Kyle just mostly find this fun um, and uh, wanted to let you know that uh, Price Picks is an option. PricePicks.com or the Price Picks app, promo code Dane for $100 sign up bonus uh we'll see if chase and i can go four for four again that anything else before we go oh actually i have one dacian nicks i wanted to mention that like that's i and i wish i would have talked about him on the pod before i think i mentioned to you or it was like brit just in like passing he he intrigues me And and part of that is because i watched him at ignite uh like a handful of those games back a couple years ago when he was there with jalen green and kaminga um one of my friends works for the Rockets. So I would like, that would be a random like league pass team that I would tune into from, from time to time. And he's just a unique type of player body type. Obviously, if you watch the game last right. night, he's a, he's a big dude, but he, he was like a five star, five star recruit coming out of high school has a nat is like a natural point guard, but also kind of has that like confidence of a guy. I feel like who came up as a highly recruited player, you know, I think he was committed to UCLA, ended up doing like Ignite. Like he would have been, I think, a pretty noteworthy college basketball player had he taken that route. And I and I mentioned him. He's not, I mean, he's just on a training camp deal right now. But the Wolves do have those two way spots are still up for grabs, correct? I mean, well, see, well anybody who's like, that. 
like yeah, anybody who signs a two way though, like you can get bumped out before mm-hmm. the season starts, and those, Absolutely. And those exhibit tens are specifically for like guys going into those two way spots, like exactly, it, or the G just League be, just in yeah, general. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. They very much mm-hmm. make it easy to just move you onto the Iowa Wolves roster, but like it is always a legitimate competition, like of just because you signed a two way deal in the summer, like it is so easy to bump you off that and move somebody else into it before the mm-hmm. season starts. Like it training camp is a competition for those spots. Yeah. And, and, and like call a spade a spade. I think it's Matt Ryan, right? It's, yes. Right. It's the right. one. And, uh, you know, again, we have limited exposure to, we got to see him play last night. Um, but you know, is that, do they pivot off of that and pivot off of Matt Ryan and, and move in one of these younger players? Cause it's not just station Knicks. It's, Tyrese Martin, Trevor Keels, and Veet Creechy, they all, you know, played in the NBA last season. They're younger. Um, I, I just wouldn't be surprised if one replaces Matt Ryan or maybe Luca gets an NBA deal. They turn his two-way. There is an open roster spot, yeah, right? Right. Um, or maybe they sign one of those guys to the open roster spot on a non-guaranteed deal, right? Where he kind of kind of like Austin Rivers last year, or like a third of the season guaranteed. It's like, well, we'll see if we'll keep you. Um and for me, I would just say Dacian Nix would be the guy that I would be most intrigued by. I also think positionally it makes the most sense. Um, he's your third traditional, traditional point guard on this roster at the moment behind Conley and McLaughlin. I think that's the the greatest position of need. So I just wanted to be at some point on the record to be like, I'm intrigued by this guy. And, uh, and I thought last night in the context of a, again, capital P preseason game looked as good as anybody did. It's just one of those where, like, if you commit yourself to, like, this roster build, like, we always talk about how it's, it's going to be almost impossible to do that with, like, this core um, moving forward. But, like, no matter what, like, you're going to have to have some really, like, you're going to lose exceptions, like, stuff like that. Like, you're going to have to find cheap, cheap, cheap ways. That uh, has to be this front office's superpower. Right. The next Finding the cheapest to ways to fill out the, mm-hmm. with, like, guys who can contribute. Like Yeah. It's and I would say like Keel little... was an example of that right. last year. I mean, that's an elevated version. I right. would say Luca is probably more in this vein, right? Where right. it's like, okay, yeah, this is a guy we feel like is an NBA player. We locked him in for a two-way. There's value in that. Right. Like, and then and then maybe it builds over that over time in the way that uh Nikhil has. But this front office has to do that. And um, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by these training camp invite guys because they're both young and have uh NBA experience. And Nick's is the top of the list for me. Right. Yeah. And you have to decide at some point, like, what is the long term value? Like, if it comes down to Nixon, Matt Ryan, like, what's the long term value of mm-hmm. us having Matt Ryan here? Yeah. Um, like, do we see a path where he is helping us mm-hmm. um, at any point in time? If the answer is no, then what's the point? You know? Yes. And and Dacian Nix, absolutely awful numbers in, yes. in the NBA in, yeah. in, in his two years. And I think with Matt Ryan, there's like a level of like understood stability in that. Like he does have the one skill thing, right. In theory yeah, of yeah. The, just being, you know, being the shooter. Um, I think Matt is like a s- solid positional defender. Like I would get, if they kept with him, I'm not like pounding the table. Like that guy definitely needs to go because they have all this loaded training camp talent be- behind right. him. But the, the upside is just a decision, right? right? It's just a decision. That, that perfect, and, perfect and this, play. and this is the type of team that, you just like there are some teams where it's like you might use your two way guys. Like this team's not going to use its two way yeah. players unless things go so off the rails where it's like it's it doesn't even matter a. anymore. You know, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. It's mm-hmm. so okay. I got that out there. You have it. You have anything else from that game? I don't know how the hell we talked for an hour uh, <laughs> coming off of that game last night. But well, we uh, didn't talk too much about the game. That's probably for the that, that's that's probably that's probably why. Um, 
a week from now is the first uh, Wolves game. Jason and I will be back. We'll maybe record that one on Tuesday night or something to to get that out before uh, Wednesday's season opener against the Raptors. Uh, Wolves again on on Thursday uh, this week in Chicago. Britt and I tomorrow on Thursday are going to preview the the guards position. We've done the bigs and the wings. Uh, thus far and then kyle and i will be here on friday jace as always appreciate you doing it man thanks man uh all right uh you can follow jace on twitter and until tomorrow with brit he's jace at jace frederick i'm dane at dane moore nba well then peace out how i'm feeling man i hope it never stop yeah green and hot so you can find me in the crowd yeah yeah don't let standards ever ever bring you down yeah hope you dancing like nobody else around yeah.